Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Wednesday. Today we're going to be talking with, well, you're going to be talking with me. I'm doing a solo podcast today. We had so many questions coming in. Couldn't get to all of them, so I'm going to do a big podcast today just getting to all the other questions that you guys have sent in. Speaking of questions, send them in on email, podcast at uscfootball.com. You can leave us a voicemail, 641-715-3900, extension 816 646, or you can go to our website, peristylepodcast.com. Click on the left side of the page from your computer or your device and leave a voicemail right there. Of course, you can go to itunes.com slash peristylepodcast to subscribe on iTunes. Love to get some positive feedback from you. Leave us five stars. It'd be great. Help uh, spread the show, spread the spread the word about the Peristyle Podcast, talk about USC Trojan football with other USC fans. That would be Wonderful. Just one quick thing on the on the questions because we had so many more come in. I'm going to get to all those today. Please be very specific with your questions. If you can keep the emails shorter, I can't read a whole page of email. It takes a long time for me to kind of pare those things down, and I might just skip them because we're getting so many. So if you don't want your questions skipped, keep it tight. Tark does a great job. He's probably the best at doing that. Tight questions are great. Be very specific of who you want your question to. You can't say Dan and Coach. They're not on the show at the same time. So we can't have them both answer the question. Be specific who you want. If you just want me, if you want Dan, if you want Coach Harry Hyde, whoever you want, just very you know, be specific of who you want to leave the question to. And when you leave a voicemail, we love to play the voicemails, but be careful. Time yourself. And if you if it's taken too long, you can stop and then go back and call back again. Um, don't leave it more than a minute. It's just really hard to play those on the show if you do that. Sorry. All right. Without further ado, I want to jump into the actual podcast itself. We do appreciate all the questions and stuff that have been coming in. Um, so I'll start off with, I'll just go through one of these voicemail questions first, and we'll go from there. Well, hello, Ryan, Coach Hyde, Dan. Uh, this is John from Oakland. Fight on. Well, we didn't have quite such a great day yesterday at Notre Dame, but as we move on into the coaching search, I understand, Ryan, you have three criteria for the next coach. I've heard them, and I would like uh, to add a fourth one. That's a person who wants to coach at USC, a top-five job, a person that doesn't have to be convinced to come to USC. It doesn't give it a second thought when offered the job. I think this is very early in the coaching search process. A lot of names are being thrown around, and a lot of people are going to express no interest in that, uh, having the job. So... My concern is that's going to get into the media, and then it's going to sound like no one is actually interested in the USC job, when in fact uh, these are just names being thrown out there. So I hope uh, USC picks the right coach. That's a person who wants to coach at USC and wants to give it 110%, as they say. So once again, thanks for uh, the podcast. Love the work. Fight on. Great. Well, thanks for that voicemail question. And uh, yeah, so he was talking about my three rules and I kind of put this on the message board uh, right in the, from the very beginning. I think even before the actual firing, it might have been before the firing took place. But my first, my first rule was the coach 
should not have anything to do with Pete Carroll. So if you have anything to do with Pete Carroll, out. Uh, the, the coach should be have been a college head coach, is or was a college head coach. Um, that was one of my rules. And three, coach shouldn't be on the hot seat in their current job. Um, so those were my kind of three rules. My, I think for one, there shouldn't be any exceptions whatsoever. Two, I mean, the one exception I would look at is John Harbaugh, uh, NFL head coach. Uh, he hasn't been a college head coach before, but he, I like him a lot. Um, I think that would be, you know, a potential home run there. He did win a Super Bowl. That kind of trumps it. Hot seat, you know, it's like for the most part, you don't want someone that's, that's on the hot seat. They're going to get fired and then they, you know, come into USC. I mean, obviously Steve Sarkeesian was almost on the hot seat. Uh, if he would have lost the Apple Cup up there, like they were talking to, you know, about him being on the hot seat and then USC ended up hiring him. Uh, obviously it did not work out. Uh, he wanted to add a rule, a coach that wants to come. I think whoever you get is going to be someone that wants to come. Uh, I don't know if it's going to take a whole lot of convincing. It's going to be a good fit. It has to be a good fit wherever it is. So if it's someone like, uh, say like Chris Peterson last year, if he was, you know, we had heard he was definitely interested and there were some, you know, kind of mixed reports on that. Some people saying he was, some people say it wasn't, whatever, but we had heard that, that there was, you know, real legitimate interest there. But if not, I mean, I think you see that during the interview process uh, anyway. It would really have to be some sort of home run thing where you have to, you know, talk him into it. Maybe like a Chip Kelly, um, you have to talk him into it. And, you know, I don't have an issue with if if Chip Kelly's like kind of on the fence because he's, he's in the NFL right now, that's a pretty good reason to not want to be the next coach at USC. Hey, I got a good gig going. I'm going to make the playoffs win my division uh, in the NFL. So, I don't know if that would be like a rule, but I think in general, whoever you get is going to be someone that uh, very likely wants to to come and and play at USC. Uh, while we're on it, we'll just do another voicemail question here. Here you go. Hey, Ryan, this is Al from Fresno. This is for the coach Harvey Hyde. Um, I hear a lot of people talking about staying away from Pete Carroll uh, associated coaches. Uh, you had three uh, coaches associated with Carroll. Uh, the only one that brought the fire and, and stayed with tradition was Ed Orgeron. Uh, the other two uh, had had their own style of play, which was totally, you know, which lacked, you know, fire and, and intensity. Uh, I think we need to find a, a coach similar to Orgeron or USC should get on his knees and, and, and apologize and, and call Ed back because that's when we saw a result. Uh, and to blame a guy for losing to, to Notre Dame and to UCLA when he had a depleted uh, uh, team, especially in the UCLA game when he he played with a, a totally injured team. There's no way you're going to win that game anyway. And the, and the same metrics that they use for Ed Ogeron, they, they changed when it came to Kiffin and uh, uh, Sarkeesian. They allowed these guys to make excuses for losing, and Ed Ogeron never made any excuses. Uh, I think um, if you're going to get a, a coach that needs to be along the lines of an Ed Ogeron that believes in USC tradition and believes in a, a team that's fired up, uh, I wonder if the coach uh, agrees. Uh, that's my question. Thank you. Fight on. Um, yeah, unfortunately, so this came in after we did our Monday show with Coach Harvey Hyde, so we can't get that to him. That's another thing, too. Just know when we do the shows, if you leave us a voicemail on Tuesday for Coach Harvey Hyde, we're not likely playing it because he's already did a show on Monday. So um, usually we have Monday Coach Harvey Hyde and Tuesday uh, Dan Weber. So try to get your questions in before uh, that before those shows. If if not, you just kind of wait till next week because uh, another game's going to happen. There's a whole another uh, group of subjects that we want to talk about. Um, yeah, so my rule number one applies here. Um, Ed Orgeron was great, and uh, he I I really felt he should have been hired. And some people didn't feel this way. USC fans still don't like him, but a lot of USC fans want to hire him again. So it's kind of a mixed bag. 
But at the time, what was good for the program, I think the continuity he would have kept there. And people say, oh, you lost UCLA, lost to Notre Dame. Some of the points you made. Um, but I do feel that for continuity of this program, I think if you look for the last two years, if it was Ed Orgeron as a head coach versus Steve Sarkeesian, you wouldn't have had those guys leave for the NFL. I think it would have been a better transition out of sanctions with Ed Orgeron at the helm. And then, you know, maybe they'd be looking for another coach now where they sign them for a two-year deal and they want to bring someone else on after, whatever it is. I mean, there's a lot of different scenarios. We don't know what would have happened, but I think that's when Ed Orgeron would have worked. I don't think you can go back there now. It's kind of like you have your your high school sweetheart that you left for you know, for college and you broke up with her and you went on and got married to someone else and you're you're unhappy. She's married. She's off, you know, on her own. You can't go back. You know, there's no, like, there's no going back to Ed Orgeron. That ship has sailed. I've said that like 50 times already on the podcast. It's not happening anymore. It was a good situation then. It would not be a good situation now. And the other two coaches, you know, Kiffin and Sarkeesian, you went outside of the program to bring those back in. Those were the attempts to try to rekindle the whole Pete Carroll coaching tree. So there's no Pete Carroll coaches on the staff now. You can't rebirth someone that way. And my my rule is you should not go out and try to get anyone else part of that tree you'll leave it it's moving on you got to get somebody else from the outside you can't you can't just do this keep doing this over and over again it's not worked so really move on and start a new start a new tradition uh enough with the Pete Carroll stuff so that was just my opinion on that I'm going to go to Bear Secutor now he says uh Harvey Hyde made a very insightful comment this week about hiring the new coach from a coach's perspective that would resonate with anyone who has been hired to run a job with over 100 employees and a $15 million budget like the USC football program. Regardless of how one feels about Pat Hayden's stewardship of Heritage Hall, no established, outstanding, winning D1 head coach from a major conference is going to come to USC, regardless of who the AD is, unless the AD is going to be around for the duration of their initial contract. Uh, I think that Pat Hayden is highly unlikely to remain on the job for four years, so... If he is the one to select and hire the new head coach, you can not only forget about the big name college coaches being uh, talked about on the boards. This consideration could well elim- eliminate any of the Pac-12 coaches being mentioned too. Consider if Utah wins the Pac-12, ends up a top five team, Whittingham easily extracts the the raise and commitment he needs from Utah, and settles in a secure situation like Shaw, Peterson, Mora, Graham, with competitive coaching salaries, facilities, job security and winning games. Unless Hayden announces his retirement soon, I think we have to expect the field to be limited to NFL coaches on the hot seat or relatively inexperienced college coaches like Herman, Narduzzi, etc., or from mid-major conferences like Fuentes. Uh, that's Persecutor. Persecutor, interesting stuff there. I don't agree with you. Um, there have been a couple head coaches in, in recent USC memory that were brought in and as the athletic director was on, uh, the way out. So we, we've seen that happen uh, a couple of times. Um, you know, Lane Kiffin, you know, what, you know, Mike Garrett wasn't really around all that long, uh, for Lane Kiffin. And I think it was, was it J Rob too that, that, that ended up getting hired and, and the athletic director, uh, ended up leaving and, and Mike Garrett took over. I believe that was the case too. So, um, you know, it's not like if someone wants to be the head coach at USC and they get an offer, they're not really worried that the, the athletic director is going to be there or not. Um, I mean, I think that's something to consider, but to say it would eliminate all these candidates, uh, I just don't agree with you there. I don't, I don't think that's going to be the case. So, um, we don't know. I mean, 
it sounds like from everything we're hearing, Pat Hayden's going to be the guy to make the selection. I do think there'll be some behind the scenes stuff going on where there's committees and stuff working to help with, you know, to help with that decision. I don't think it's going to be all on him. Um, so, and we, you know, we got other questions about Pat Hayden coming up too. So I'll probably get into more of that later on. Let's go to, uh, Jim in Canyon country. He says, we know that the loss to Notre Dame was by the same score as the loss to Stanford and that some of the same deficiencies were responsible, especially the hangover on the defensive line from a year and a half of wait and see tactics. But for the first time since Ed Orgeron and Helton served two years ago, USC actually had a real head coach at the helm. I was impressed by the way he handled the press conferences and by the way he maintained control of the sideline uh, and all of the coaches and players during the game itself. And the comment by Sua Cravens that we love Coach O and we love Coach Helton and the comments by Deontay Burnett that Clay Helton personally kept him focused and encouraged uh, and encouraged indicate the players respect him and that the team will improve. I'd like to hear what Coach Hyde uh, looks for when he watches for a head coach conduct a game for the first time. I myself thought USC fans could be proud of the, the way the head coach managed the other coaches, the players, the clock, and still quote-unquote, work the refs without losing his cool. Enjoy enjoy all your whole hard work, uh, including that of Keely and Shotgun, now that I can enjoy the games too. Fight on, Jim and Canyon Country. Um, yeah, so again, this is not for Coach Harvey Hyde. Sorry, I'm doing this on a solo show. Uh, but as far as uh, we've seen USC head coaches do really well in stuff like press conferences. Uh, you know, Steve Sarkisian was great at that kind of stuff. To me, what matters is what goes on on Saturdays. I mean, Steve Sarkeesian, I think, owned the nine months outside of the season, but what was going on during the season? Um, you know, Clay Helton, the two-minute offense for, you mentioned the two games, Stanford and, and Notre Dame, the two-minute offense looked exactly the same. They ran a whole bunch of plays and didn't get a lot of yards and didn't score. Uh, I mean, that's on the coaching in, in my respect. So I, I think the, the jury's still out on Clay Helton. I like him. I think he's cool. Uh, been fun to cover. I mean, I, you know, respect him. I think the players do love him. That doesn't mean he should be the head coach of USC. And I, I just see some USC fans will love whoever's there right now. And that, you know, some of the, the, the loved Orgeron really, I think for the wrong reasons, I think he was the right guy at the time, but just because he's the head coach of USC, you got to support him. He's our guy. And I think the same things happen with Clay Helton. Well, if he loses to Notre Dame and loses to Utah, and I know it's not easy and that's a tough task. I just don't think he's going to be considered at this point. I, I thought he had to go six and one. You lose your first game. That means you got to run the table and likely try to win the Pac 12 South. You know, if he runs the table, Utah needs to lose a game and then USC would win the South. Um, another game besides the USC one, but I just, it's hard for me to picture that right now. I mean, I, I think Clay Helen's great and I think he'll get an opportunity somewhere for him to get his first head coaching job being at USC. I just think that's, you know, he'd be over his skis a little bit. USC's reached the last two times they've hired a head coach. I don't think you need to reach again. And, you know, even though Clay Hilton's there right now, unless he proves it by winning the Pac-12 South and, and going on and winning the Pac-12, I just don't see that happening as much as I, you know, I like Clay Hilton and, and thinks he's doing a good job. Let's go to Dan and Tustin. He said, uh, great job. Love the program. Uh, is it possible that we have spent too much time trying to figure out how to beat the no huddle? spread offenses of the world that we are woefully unable to stand up in the trenches and battle the power teams. There's an old saying, if you stand for everything, you stand for nothing. Uh, what do we stand for? What is our identity? 
Are we a fish or fowl? Nothing personal, but it's beginning to smell like fish. It's time to clean house. It's time to it's 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 time to clear that Seattle crew that's in way over their heads, uh, Dan and Tustin. I think the key point in your question is the identity part of it. I don't think that if you did the spread a certain way and you wanted to run a hundred plays a game, um, that you necessarily won't be able to play against Stanford all that well. I mean, I think there's different matchups in college football, but the problem is this team doesn't have an identity. They don't do the same thing week in and week out. I mean, what's their identity on offense this year? Bad on third downs, can't really sustain drives, but get all of the offense basically comes on huge plays. That's not sustainable. That's you're relying on, you know, three run home runs all the time. They're not able to, you know, hit for average and steal bases and, and, you know, butt and move the runner over. If, if you want baseball analogies, this really is all about, Hey, I hope we hit a three run home run. And that's, that's kind of it. Um, and I don't think in college, you know, you can do that in baseball. You could be a power hitting team. I think it's really hard to rely solely on huge offensive plays. Uh, I got a piece actually coming up. I'm writing on, on, on that on this USC offense and 590 yards of offense versus Notre Dame. I mean, that's a lot. You'll be surprised what percentage of that came on just a handful of plays. So I'll, you stay tuned for that. I'll have more on that, but it's me, Dan. It's more about the identity and not having an identity is the real big problem. I don't think that your matchups, if you have an identity and that's what you do well, you kind of make people adjust to what you're doing right now. USC is just kind of going along and you're just not really sure what the identity is. Uh, hey, Ryan, this is Eric in Georgia. Uh, I've been very hard on Justin Wilcox because I just don't believe his schemes are working. In 2012, our defense gave up 316 points, then 297 in 2013. Wilcox first year, we gave up 327. And so far this year, 128 through six games. Our offense is, is not our problem. So until we talk about the elephant in the room, Wilcox, nothing will change. We need to bring in a proven defensive coordinator. Do you agree? Thanks guys. Love the podcast and all that your team does fight on. And yeah, you know, Justin Wilcox has been under fire. Uh, I think he handles himself really well. We got to talk to him Wednesday at football practice and you know, he, he's doing his thing out there and he, you know, he had, he's, you know, he's got his schemes and, He's changed the fronts a little bit. He's using a four-man front sometimes. Um, but do I think he's in over his head a little bit? Yeah, I kind of do. I mean, I nice guy. Um, you know, another young guy on the staff. I don't know, you know, when Steve Sarkeesian came in and everybody pretty much was like, you know, the average age was like 37 or 38 years old. A lot of people were young. There just wasn't like the kind of older guru that's been through it all and seen it all. There wasn't anyone like that on the staff. So you had Sark running the offense and you had, um, Justin Wilcox running the defense. They didn't tackle very well against Notre Dame. They've had decent little stretches against Notre Dame, but to give up two 90 plus yard drives at the end of that game, um, when you're taking penalties and missing tackles and just so many things going wrong. Yeah. I mean, at this point, I mean, I don't think if, if, if you're looking at whoever comes in, you know, a new head coach, are the odds that he's keeping most of, or any of the guys that came down from, from Washington with Sark? I mean, I, just in general, even if you think it's the greatest coach in the world, like say you think, uh, you know, whoever, if you think Wilcox is the greatest defensive coordinator or Keith Hayward's a, a great defensive back coach, whatever it is, just because that those guys were like Sark guys that came in, I'm not sure if the new head coach would want to keep them just out of, of that. And, you know, that could be completely unfair to him. 
But my guess is you're not going to see Justin Wilcox uh, running the defense next year. Just whoever uh, USC ends up hiring as head coach. That's just my guess. Um, we'll go with that. Melvin says we have flashes of a good running game, but why isn't why isn't it consistent throughout the whole game, especially in the fourth quarter? I don't even know if there's flashes, Melvin. And the problem is you look at the overall numbers and they're good. And I don't have the numbers in front of me. I, I'm working on this other piece too. Uh, essentially what happens is the overall average was actually pretty good. Running average was pretty good versus Notre Dame. When you have, uh, Ronald, jo- uh, Ronald Jones had the, um, 65 yard run in there. You take that run out. And then USC's averaging like three yards a carry. It's pretty, it's pretty low. So you take one run away. The rest of the running game wasn't that good. They had a couple big runs. There was like, you know, 10 yarders or something. But for the most part, all the success came on a couple of plays, just like I was talking about before. It wasn't like you're running for six yards a pop because you, this one was five and that one was seven. It's like you ran for two, two, zero, zero, minus one, minus one. 65, you know, so it's like, well, the average will end up being pretty good, but there's all those other runs. Those are each one of those is an individual play and none of them are getting you much closer to getting a first down. So, uh, yeah, th- th- I mean, consistency in the running game is a really big deal, Melvin, and I'm not sure what they can really do about right now. You can't just have the huge plays and that's it. And that's really what it is. It, it makes the overall numbers look good, but you watch and they're not able to sustain drives. And I think that's a real. Uh, big problem. All right. This is from PJ Reigns, Mission Viejo Trojans fan. This one's long. Again, so many long questions. I'm telling you guys not to do it and I'm reading them anyway. So I'm, I'm not really encouraging, uh, better behavior, but you know, we're doing the solo podcast. So I don't have to, I don't have to, <laughs> I could just do it on my own. Thank you for all your comprehensive coverage of the events around the football program. Uh, you're very welcome. After Saturday's disheartening loss to the Irish, I am left searching for answers about how to turn around the program. I believe Kiffin and Sarkeesian failed because they could not develop elite talent and an elite program. I put most of the blame for the team's misfortune on them. Saturday, it appeared those talented players were in a position to succeed, but they individually failed as well. The offensive and defensive lines have been disappointing. Besides losing one-on-one battles, they are frequently penalized and undisciplined. They simply aren't physical, which is embarrassing for the Trojan heritage. The linebackers have not fared much better. Opposing quarterbacks have banner performances running free through the second level. The secondary has been extremely disappointing. Adori, Iman, and Kivon get beat constantly. The alleged highly ranked uh, recruited players are missing in action. Dawson, Ruffin, Hutchins, Powell, McQuay, and Bigelow all stink. Wow, that's tough. I'm especially disappointed in Woods and Sorrow. Uh, how can they call themselves captains? Wilcox must go. Finally, Cody Kessler just isn't that good. He might be, he might be fit to back up John David Booty, but that's it. Oof, this is harsh stuff. The only players that I see consistently performing up to their potential are Sua Cravens, Juju Smith, and Ronald Jones. Uh, these players have pride and the guts to rise above the, the dreck around them. At this point, I believe a complete house cleaning is in order to turn the program around, beginning with firing Pat Hayden. His health scare is an opportunity to let someone else take over. Phew. Thanks for letting me rant. I hope this makes it on the air so I can learn if other fans agree. Best from PJ, Mission Viejo, Trojans fan. Um, that is some pretty harsh stuff uh, there, PJ. I don't know if all those guys stink. I think the, the most important aspect is the player development part. 
The recruiting part, like I said, the nine months outside of the season, Steve Sarkisian did a great job. I mean, the number one recruiting class, and all these guys are coming in and contributing and, you know, 15 true freshmen playing, guys that can play. Um, the problem is we see guys come in that can play, and we don't see them get better, and sometimes we see them get worse. And it's, a, it's really about uh, the player development. I mean, a Leon McQuay, you you're telling me he can't be a contributor on this defense somewhere? A Michael Hutchins, which we haven't seen much at all, Four-star kid, you know, comes from a great high school. He's kind of a coach on the field out there for them. He can't do anything. He, he can't help this defense at all. Or, uh, you know, Ronald Powell, like, just is a guy, you know, with a team that's having a hard time tackling. Can't imagine him being in there would really hurt things a lot. Um, as far as Cody Kessler just not being that good, um, no, I mean, I, I mean, he's been a, a, a really good college quarterback. He's been a really good quarterback for USC. There's just moments where, I think when the chips are down or when, you know, the, you know, the two minute drill we haven't seen going on, there's, there's really, you know, when's the last time USC had a fourth quarter comeback? Those are the kind of things I think you associate with great quarterbacks when you tell, you know, when Peyton Manning comes on and you're like, Hey, he's had every time he comes in in the fourth quarter and he's down, they always put up the stat. Like he's had a hundred, you know, whatever comeback drives to tie or take the lead in the game and stuff like that. You just haven't seen something like that. Um, this, I, I don't, you can't blame it all on Cody Kessler. You can't blame it all on any of the offensive players, the line. I really think the mentality of this offense is such a front running offense that when things are well, when you're ahead of schedule, it's fine. You'll, you'll hit those big plays. If the problem is when you're behind in the game, when you're behind down in distance, it's third and long, you're just not seeing someone stepping up and making a big play. It's more about, you're now off schedule. You're out of the rhythm, and the the opponent's now expecting a long pass. They're expecting something that you can't deliver on. So I, I really think when you want to be a great college offense, you have to be able to do. You have to be able to execute when the other team knows something's coming, and that's just not what this team has been about. It's really been about there be a defensive breakdown. Uh, it's a running down. They throw a play action pass, and they get an eighty yard touchdown on it or something. But you know, the problem is the two minute drill, they're not going <laughs> to, you can play action all you want. People are expecting the pass. Are you able to do it then? And I think that's really been one of the bigger problems with this USC offense, but pretty harsh stuff, PJ. I don't, I don't agree with all of that. Um, so we'll see what happens there. All day SC 86 is, uh, he wrote in and said, hello, Ryan. Absolutely the best recruiting site. And he's talking about uscfootball.com. We cover more than recruiting though. Uh, this is, this is actually from Mike in Rhode Island. He calls all day SC86. Uh, but Mike, yeah, we do more than recruiting, but thank you for that. He says, after listening to Tuesday's podcast, it was apparent that we may be in trouble if we continue with this incompetent coaching staff. Uh, for not to implement a two minute offense, regardless of the defensive scheme is absolutely mind boggling. Cody's a good, smart quarterback that in a two minute offense, he and the team can take a handful of preset plays implement audibles, and then he's able to, and he and the team should be able to read the defense. There's no need to look at the sidelines and look at a series of cue cards to run it. The key is to run as many plays in a short amount of time uh, to enhance scoring opportunities while keeping the defense on its heels. Thanks. This is Mike in Rhode Island, and his username, like I said, is all day SC 86 Yeah, the two-minute drill, because it's happened twice, that's what's the most uh, baffling for me, that, that you saw this happen two different times. Um, that's not, that, that's really not what you expected. I mean, the, the, the Stanford game, USC had, uh, 
2.23 left. They ended up running nine plays that went 52 yards, and they didn't score. Um, so that, you know, that's a lot of plays to be able to run. Uh, you're starting at your own 25, and you couldn't go 75 yards in nine plays, and you ran out the clock. Against Notre Dame, wasn't much better. I mean, you had 90 yards to go. You're starting your own, you know, at your own one. They ended up running uh, 14 plays in that that series. The first two completions still didn't even get a first down. So that's that's terrible. That's terrible design. You just can't do that. You can't have. You shouldn't even give Cody Kessler the chance to throw it down twice and not not even get 10 yards. But that was a 14 play drive that went 58 yards and took three minutes and 35 seconds, I believe. Um, you ran the clock out in your two minute drill, and you got about 50 yards and you know 14 and nine plays respectively. And you didn't score. And it's just, that's a, that's a bad design. And the fact that it happened twice, almost the exact same thing tells me that's part of the plan. That's part of what you got in there. This isn't some kind of fluke thing that happened. Um, this is really something that needs to be addressed. So yeah, no, I, I agree, Mike. Um, it's not good. You need to be able to look a lot more comfortable in the two minute offenses. This offense is way too explosive to not have some sort of answer to people dropping guys back into coverage. Like that happens all the time when someone's going for a two minute drill, you throw underneath you know, the intermediate passes, not, you don't dump it off and have check downs where you're moving down the field at a snail's pace and you run the clock out. Okay. So thanks for that one, Mike. Let's go Tarek. I mentioned him at the top of the show. He usually does a great job of uh, keeping questions tight. This is actually one of his longer ones, but you know, it's not long at all. You have been critical of Pat Hayden's reluctance to, reluctance to yield the decision of the next head coach of the football team to someone else or a committee. Why, in your view, does Pat Hayden, a Rhodes Scholar and national champion, not have the credentials to make the next hire? I understand he made a mistake with the Steve Sarkeesian hire, but that is not evidence that he cannot make a great hire this time. Tark. Hey, great points, Tark. Um, I mean, full disclosure, I think Pat Hayden's great. I think he's a super smart guy. He's been awesome to us. You know, he's a Trojan legend. I've mentioned this a bunch of times before. He's an awesome. And I think there have been some shortcomings, though, as the athletic director. And he was very defensive in his press conference because there were so many people calling for his head. Not just me. I mean, plenty of national columnists. Um, and to me, Tark, it's really about the revenue sports. Like, graduation rates are up. That's awesome. You know, the the, the Olympic sports, they've won national championships and continue to be ranked high in all those sports. All that stuff is wonderful. But there were major, major gaffes, in my opinion, on the revenue sports. And it started with um, Kevin O'Neill. And his he had a drinking problem and stuff, too. He should have been fired before he was. Um, they brought him back. And they ended up having to fire him midseason. Uh, Pat Hayden's fired three revenue sport coaches, bas- one basketball, two football, during the season so far and baseball, a guy two days before the season. So, I mean, that's something that's, that's on him. You know, that's on his doorstep. Both the, the, in, you know, two of the, all three of the in season firings could have been avoided to be, to be honest. I mean, O'Neill should have been fired before the, you know, after the last season. Same thing with Kiffin after the Sun Bowl. So at that point, that's on you. You made the wrong decision. Um, you try to, you try to, you know, Hey, we're going to stick with him for a while. And it just starts to unravel so badly. You have to fire him again. So you really proved your previous decision wrong as well by having to do the firings when you did. Um, the, I talked to a lot of alumni too. They are not happy with Pat Hayden because of the NCAA sanctions. 
and how he's the only school that did not fight back and get something back, get the asterisks taken from the record books, uh, get, you know, work with Reggie and the Heisman Trust to, to, you know, so you could say seven Heismans again. The fact that they say six Heisman Trophy winners to me is a joke. That's an absolute joke. And that's on Pat Hayden, the administration to me. I mean, that's something he says, you know, they're, they're working with the NCAA and that's the method he chose. And I don't think this is, I mean, the NCAA was the bully here and you're trying to be nice to the bully and they just keep bullying you. So I don't agree. And we've said this from the very beginning and, and all of these Pat Hayden decisions I'm talking about, all of them we've said from the very beginning when he made them that they were wrong. It's not like you look back two years later and go, yeah, he should have did that. We said O'Neill should have been fired. You know, we said you should have fought back for the NCAA from the very beginning. And as more evidence comes out and out, all these things are proven right. But the biggest issue I have with what Pat Hayden has done is nothing was done after Salute to Troy. And we still don't know what was going on. We know at Salute to Troy, there was a mix of prescription drugs and alcohol. Steve Sarkeesian said, I don't think I have a problem. He said, I don't have a problem. I think at that point, there's some sort of problem. And I don't think, you know, if he's, you know, reportedly off in treatment right now, if he needed treatment now, he likely needed treatment then. And I don't believe the fact that nobody had any idea that any of this was going on. So at that point, in my, in my estimation, a decision was made. What's best for the university? And Pat Hayden said this, tried to do what's best for Steve Sarkeesian, for the university, for the program, for the players by not punishing him. And letting him do up downs instead of something else, you know, instead of going to treatment or, or being suspended for a couple of games. You know, maybe if you don't even go to treatment, maybe you're suspended for a game or two. It's a wake up call. You thought that salute to Troy would be a wake up call. Obviously it was not. So to me, I think he did the whole program a disservice. Now, was he trying to do the right thing? Yeah. He wasn't trying to screw up the program, but it's another one of those big revenue sport decisions that I feel was wrong. I said it was wrong then. And then you, you find out later, look, I, you know, all these times I've said, Hey, Pat Hayden made the wrong decision. It turns out later on, looks like I was right. So that's my biggest issue, Tarek, uh, with what's going on. It's not just because of the Steve Sarkeesian hire, which I think was, you know, bad from the beginning too. And I like Steve Sarkeesian. He's a great guy. We, you know, you want him to be healthy. You wish him the best. You hope he gets his life together and the family and all that kind of stuff. But that was a reach. That was a reach hire that was really just trying to bring back the Pete Carroll stuff. That was not getting the best guy for the job. That was not getting the guy that Alabama would go after or Ohio State would go after. So that was a big mix, you know, mess up too. Um, it could have worked out. It, it worked out horribly. He was only the head coach for 18 games. So all of that is riding with Pat Hayden. So to me, that's why I don't think he should make the next uh, coaching decision as much of an SC legend as he is, as much as I like him as a person. And I think he's done some great things as the athletic director, but I don't think him on his own, he should be making this call. That's my opinion. And that's why I'm just sharing with you. So thanks for that, Tark. Uh, Abel had a question. Did Adori spend the off season focused too much on the Heisman Olympics offense, etc., and not on what he's recruited to do play quarterback. Seems like he gets burned at least one, sometimes two or three times a game. With the talent he has and his closing speed, it's unlikely he gets burned because the other guy is more talented. Rather, it seems indicative of a lapse in concentration. Abel. I think it's a really good question. I mean, he's a well-rounded guy. He's doing a lot of different things. I don't think you can fault any of these college football players for um, what they do in the offseason. I mean, they're so 
busy with football almost year round. He wants to run track or try to make the Olympics. I mean, I don't fault any player for doing that. You have to, this, you're young. These are your dreams and that's what you kind of have to do. So I don't, I don't fault them for any of that. I mean, Heisman talk, whatever. I mean, that's, he, he, I mean, he's talented enough that he could win just by what he's going to do on offense. If he needs some, you know, pick sixes and stuff on defense and then, you know, return some kicks and stuff for, for touchdowns. We've seen a Dory with the ball in his hands and you know, it's special, but he is trying to do a lot. And the problem is even guys like Sua Cravens, you see guys making individual plays on this football team. And it's really trying to make up for a lack of production from other, from other area aspects of the team. And I think that scheme wise, it's just not working out. And it's just really when this team does well, some individual just makes a play. And are you putting your 11 guys out there at once in the best position to win? I just don't think this coaching staff is doing that right now. So it's hard to fault when there are only a few players that are actually very productive, um, you know, trying to do maybe a little bit more. He tries to do a lot, you know, and I, it's hard to, to, uh, to fault him for that. And he talked about the Will Fuller thing today when he got burned. Um, you know, he wasn't able to, he said, I think something like it can't explode out of his hips. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's guy made a great play and he was running and, and you know, and Adore wasn't able to catch up to him. Now, is that a great spot for him to be in? He's trying to, you know, stop the run a little bit too. There was no safety help. I mean, I don't think the coaches necessarily put him in the great position. You put you know, a great individual athlete against another great individual athlete. And every once in a while, both, I mean, both guys can win that. Um, so that was left on to Adore to just make a play all on his own. So it's hard to, to, uh, kind of fault him for that. I guess you could say Percy, but thanks for, uh, putting those in. Let's go back, uh, do voicemail question again. Um, I think, yeah, we'll play this one for you. Here you go. Hey, Ryan, this is uh, Kyle up in uh, Bend again, uh, calling in to uh, just uh, give you my thoughts. Two points. One's more kind of a comment than the next one's a question. Uh, first, though, um, I guess to take one good nugget from the game, even though it was tough to watch still, um, when we were down 24-10, we had every chance to fold. And I can't remember us coming back uh, when we were down. It just seemed like once the team was down, that was it. But I will say that the guys fought back, tied up 24 uh, across the board going into half and then go up 31-24, which brings me to my second point. And, Ryan, this can be either for you or Coach Hyde. Where where do we develop that killer instinct? You just would think that when we're up by seven and it's kind of the, you know, put the pedal to the metal, you know, curb stomp the team, you know, blood's in the water, you know, keep it on and finish it that killer instinct, I guess maybe directing more to Coach Hyde, I guess, where do you learn that? Is it fake it till you make it? Have the coaches do it mentally, the kids? Um, it just seems that's kind of the one thing that's missing. But I will say, but like how the kids fought back, a lot of young kids, you know, doing good things. We're still not there. Uh, but anyways, love the show, guys. Uh, keep it up. And uh, Coach Hyde, you're ever back up in Bend, Oregon, let me know. Go grab a beer. Uh, but anyways, take care, guys, and uh, fight on. Thanks, Kyle. Yeah, I'll, I'll pass that on to Coach Hyde if he's up in Bend, Oregon. I guess I don't get to have a beer if I'm up in Bend, Oregon. Okay, you know, that's cool. Uh, but that was some good points there, Kyle. Yeah, that, I was surprised. Once it was 24-10, I was like, this is over. Like, there's no way. USC has not been a team that's been able to fight back like that. And, you know, and you know what happened? It took an individual play. It took a Dory Jackson to punch that ball out when it looked like Notre Dame was going to score again. 
uh, freshman linebacker Cameron Smith making a really nice play on the ball to save it before it goes out of bounds and giving USC the ball back on the 20-yard line. I mean, that was really a couple of really good individual plays when Notre Dame was about to score, you know. That's what it took to kind of wake USC up and turn it around. And USC really had a chance. You know, they missed a field goal before halftime. Would have been up by three. You go up by, you score another touchdown, they would have been up by 10 at that point. Who knows how that ends up uh, turning out. The killer instinct aspect, it's completely lacking. And you showed it a little bit in that stretch when USC scored 21 answers. Like, that was actually the most kind of killer instinct I saw. They actually had sustained drives on there even when they didn't score like they were they didn't have a lot of sustained drives in that game but in the middle of that little stretch of that 21 nothing run USC was doing it they were kind of grinding out some clock and grinding the the, you know the ball down picking up first downs something you haven't really seen from this team when is this team successful when they jump out early and hang on and they you know could you say they have a killer instinct early yeah probably like when they're they're putting up a bunch of touchdowns and stuff early on and, and building up a big lead we haven't seen the color instinct really in the second half. And that's, that's something that Pete Carroll's teams were great at. They knew they could come back in the second half. And we haven't seen that from Lane Kiffin teams. We haven't seen that from Steve Sarkeesian teams. And we didn't see it really Clay Helton team. So, um, I think that starts, it's from the top down to me, uh, Kyle, really about coaching. And you have to, it has to be instilled. And it's just, it's not there. It's not the personality. Uh, of this team. And like I've said, you know, a bunch of times before, it's more of a front running team. Like things have to kind of be going well, um, to continue if you want to, to have success. And, and sometimes it's just hanging on at the end. Sometimes you continue to push through and, and continue to play well. But a lot of times this team wins, it's either, you know, those two aspects. You start out, you have to start off good no matter what. And then you can finish strong and that's good. Or you can, you know, finish kind of clumsily, but it's still, a, you, you built up enough lead that you can still win the game. And that's not, to me, that doesn't say killer instinct, any of those uh, scenarios. And that's really how I've seen this team uh, play so far this year in the last couple of years. So uh, we got one more voicemail question. Here you go. Well, hello, Ryan and Coach Hyde. My name is Don Autry. Coach Hyde, if I'm not mistaken, you were the head football coach at Pasadena City College in Pasadena, California, back in the day while I played football at Blair High School in Pasadena, California. My coach's name was Pete Yoder. I don't know. Maybe I'm mistaken. But anyway, I've watched USC run this pro-style offense for years, and I don't think it served the offensive talent that USC is recruiting. I believe that it limits their athletic abilities. I mean, when you go out and get the type of talent that USC gets, you have to run the type of offense that will take advantage of all their talent. If you look at the colleges who are having successful offenses, they run the spread offense. Colleges like Oregon, Florida State, Auburn, Alabama, and some of the other high-profile colleges. In order to run a successful spread offense, you have to have a quarterback who is athletically gifted. It creates mismatches against the defense. It forces defenses to spread out, thus creating an inside running game. This pro-style offense that USC is running is too predictable has no imagination, 
low use of the tight ends, and therefore it is easy to defend against. Finally, what happened to Jalen Green? He's a quarterback who is athletic. I noticed that it's a common practice for a USC to recruit the few black quarterbacks that they recruit, and once they're on the team, they change their position. What's up with this? Hey, Ryan, Coach Hyde, fight on. Hey, Don, thanks for the uh, voicemail question there. And then, so just to let people know, so Don, I think I think this was you. That was a, you know over a two-minute voicemail, so we're trying to keep them shorter than that. I didn't have a chance to play this one for Coach Harvey Hyde, but I'll pass along the fact that uh, your, your coach, that you played at Blair, he was the coach of Pasadena City College for sure. So um, he did that, and you know, we went on to UNLV. But I'll pass that along to Coach Harvey Hyde. But we ran out of time with the Harvey, and this was a very long voicemail, so we didn't play it. But then you sent a few other voicemails in and, uh, and an email and stuff too. Um, so, yeah, so sorry that we, you know, we didn't get to play it before. But, you know, if you keep them tight, they're more likely to get played. Uh, but I'll try to hit all your points there now. So I'll definitely, like I said, I'll pass along uh, the fact that you played at Blair. He was definitely at Pasadena City College. Um, I don't think this is really considered a pro style offense anymore. If you watch, I mean, they're really almost never under center. They run a lot out of shotgun. They'll do some out of the pistol. It's, it's really, you know, they kind of use the zone read, but they don't really have the, it's more of a run pass option sort of thing than, than Cody Kessler taking off the run. But I agree. The, the offense they're running, it doesn't seem to suit Cody Kessler all that well as far as you're taking away a big aspect of it is that the quarterback's going to take off and run. We've seen Cody run a little bit more, but not. And, you know, a guy like Jalen Green that's on the squad, I think Sam Darnold would be very good at doing that. Um, that's why we thought really kind of recruiting-wise when they signed Sam Darnold and Ricky Town, they were like very different quarterbacks that I don't even know if the coaches knew which direction they wanted this offense to go. Um, but Matt Fink's a, a commit for 2016. He's more of an athletic quarterback. We saw Jalen Green throw that 75-yard touchdown, touchdown pass. Um, now, Jalen Green, so for him, he wasn't really recruited as a – he was recruited as a quarterback to USC, but then he came over when Steve Sarkeesian was coming over. He was going to be an early enrollee. He wasn't recruited as a quarterback for USC, really more of a last kind of minute ad when Sark came on because he was going to be – they needed to get all the early enrollees they possibly could to get the numbers up. So he was going to fit that in. Um, I watched him throughout. Uh, Jalen Green throws a really pretty ball, and you saw that that bomb that he threw. It looks great. The problem is that some of the touch passes, some of the shorter passes, just he wasn't very consistent throwing them. You'd skip them into receivers and and kind of have a lot of a zip on balls that are uh, five yard passes. So he was at some real ups and downs um, that we kind of saw through practice and the off season workouts and stuff. But he might, you know. Depending on who the next coach is, he might move back to quarterback at this point. So we'll we'll kind of see what happens with him. But yeah, it's it's it is you know it is more of a spread uh, offense, but it's not like you said, it's not really run the same way. Um, but there's plenty of you know pro style like a Stanford or, or Alabama. They're more pro style. They have very you know a lot of success. Um, it just seems like go back to the identity part there, Don. Where I'm, you're not sure what this USC offense identity is. I mean they're did they really try to fit to what Cody Kessler does well, or did they try to like, well, we're going to run our offense. We'll just kind of take these parts out of it. Cause that's not what Cody Kessler does. Well, I don't know. I mean, it, to, to me, 
it left a little bit to to be desired there. And now, you know, Cody Kessler will be gone. You'll have Max Brown uh, on the roster who, depending on who the next coach is, Max Brown's graduating. You might lose Max Brown if if you bring in a guy that runs a whole lot of spread stuff that you want the quarterback running. Um, I mean, Max Brown could graduate, transfer to another school, play right away, and have two years of eligibility without without sitting out at all. So um, then you're left with Sam Darnold on the roster. You know, Jalen Green is still around if they get back, you know, uh, Fink to, to come in. So there's a lot of different directions this could go, and it all really depends on uh, who USC ends up hiring uh, as a head coach. So, Don, yeah, so thanks, Don. And sorry, I know you sent in some emails and stuff too. We try, like I said, we try to get to everyone. Um, you know, if we don't get to your question, maybe try to tighten it up a little bit, be very specific of who you want it to, to be sent to, and we'll do our best to uh, answer that. All right, we got a couple more till my voice uh, runs out. Um, actually, just one more. This is from Lee. He says, while I don't fault the Trojans for losing this game to Notre Dame, I was disappointed with what I see as a trend with USC football in recent years, and that is the offense going to sleep in the second half of games. With the talented receivers and running backs that USC has, I think we should be able to generate more offense and also would it hurt to have Jalen Green line up at quarterback and give him a pass option, a pass with run with options to run plays instead of wide receiver trick plays. Uh, fight on from Lee. So kind of touched on these before. Yeah, it's not been a great second half offense. It's not been a great second half team. Um, and it, you know, that's a real issue to me. That's a, it's not, you, you haven't seen the consistency in the offensive attack. I think if you look at the overall numbers, you know, they're good. Um, you know, Cody Kessler had 15 touchdowns and one interception at one point. He's now 17 touchdowns and five interceptions. So that efficiency has gone down, obviously throwing a couple picks, uh, in these losses. That's not something you want to see. Uh, but really to me, you know, the, the two minute drills are a, a big issue. And I think that's when an offense really earns its stripes, you know, and we haven't seen this offense be able to do that. They have to get away from being the front running offense. And when everything's going well, it's clicking. You got to get the offense to work when things aren't going well. And if they drop back into coverage, you're trying to throw it deep. You have to figure out ways to still be able to do it just because it's not, you know, a, like some chess move that, that you have no options. You have no way to combat this. No, I mean, you see plenty of people drop back and prevent defenses and you're still able to complete passes and, and move the ball. So it's not impossible. Uh, that was just a not acceptable, uh, excuse for me. And we talked about Jalen Green with Don's question in the last one. Um, yeah, I mean, I, because they moved him, I just don't know. You're going to really have a lot of opportunity. Like this week would have been a nice week maybe to have Jalen Green play Travis Wilson. They end up going with Sam Darnold. The fact that they have so many wide receivers hurt, they need Jalen Green to come in and and play wide receiver. So he's in a position of need right now. I just don't see them kind of moving him over. Once you made that decision in the offseason to move him to wide receiver and now being so thin at wide receiver with at least three of them look like they're going to be out for the Utah game, I don't think you can really do much there. Um, so we'll see. I mean, I, I think with the next coach, you're going to shuffle the deck and Jalen Green might end up back as a quarterback, especially if Max Brown ends up leaving. Uh, we just don't know. There's so many different directions this could go, but I think at this point, I don't think you could have Jalen Green try to practice, uh, you know, being under center or, or being the shotgun right now. I think trick plays with him are cool, but they really need him at wide receiver. Um, so, you know, maybe, but you know, 
maybe you toss him some. He's in the backfield, toss him the ball and let him throw, whatever. I mean, there's some options you can do with him. But as far as trying to take away reps from him, being a wide receiver, which he hasn't been all that long, and trying to get him to do some quarterback stuff too, probably not like kind of what's in the best interest of the team right now. All right, well, my voice is just about dead. And I uh, hope you guys enjoyed this solo podcast. I really did it so we could kind of knock out some of those other questions that we didn't get to on the first couple of shows. We had a long show with Coach Harvey Hyde. Had a long show with Dan Weber. Um, not sure how many more podcasts we're going to do this week. I will try to maybe do another one. We might do one with Gerard Martinez kind of talking about the hot board and the coaching candidates and stuff like that. But needless to say, it's a huge game uh, against Utah. Oh, we might do a Utah preview too uh, with our guy Brian Swinney. We'll see. I'll try to get him on and maybe we'll we'll preview what's going on in this game. But um, huge game for USC. Uh, Kyle Whittingham is a, you know, head coaching candidate. We did a good profile of him on uscfootball.com. If USC wins the game, obviously it's a, a big boost and you keep your hopes alive winning the Pac-12 South. If you lose, I don't know, maybe Kyle Whittingham moves up that board a little bit. Uh, they'd be seven and oh, they're ranked in the top three. They're to beat USC a couple years in a row. I think the USC administration would have to look at him long and hard, especially if he's able to make a run and win the Pac-12 this year. Um, he has a hard time keeping coordinators there in Utah. He's had some uh, confrontations with the Utah athletic director. I mean, there's reasons why he would potentially want to leave, and there's obviously reasons why USC would potentially want to look at him. Not saying they should, not saying he would, any of that, but he's someone that you would need to look at. And if he's able to get a win against USC this weekend, that's even more of a reason to do that. So, yeah, you, that's going to be a tough task for Clay Helton. Try to win his first game in the Coliseum, uh, 4.30 p.m. on Fox. See what the crowd's like. I think it'll be a lot better than what we saw, you know, uh, for the Washington game on Thursday. But, man, it's a, it's a really big game for USC. And I think even now people are still, when we, we talk about potential new head coaches, we have some people talking about, well, you know, Clay Helton, Clay Helton, and talking about him. I think if USC loses this one to Utah, you won't hear that many people kind of talking about that. The focus will be on the future and who the next head coach is going to be. So big game for the Trojans, big game for Clay Helton and this staff. I mean, I think if they're able to win, swing a lot of momentum back, and it'll almost be like what Ed Orgeron was doing two years ago. People didn't really want to hear about the coaching search because Ed Orgeron was on a winning streak. If, if Clay Helton's able to beat Utah, number three Utah on Saturday, he might get some of the same stuff too. So I think it's a big swing game for USC. You can kind of excuse the, the Notre Dame loss on the road, uh, when everything just happened that week. Now it's more of a routine. Now it's more of kind of a normal quote unquote game. It's at home, although the opponent is very tough. Um, I think USC fans could be very forgiving if Clay Helton's able to beat Utah. If not, you're talking, looking at a team that's three and four. One, you know, with one win in the conference, um, you know, one and four in conference is not good, obviously. Uh, you know, you're a top 10 team coming into the season. You're now three and four with a road game against the ranked Cal team up next. So it's a big game for USC. It's a big swing game. We'll have to see how it all turns out. Hope you guys can, uh, check it out at the Coliseum Saturday night. If not, definitely check out our instant analysis and all of our analysis from the game will have a live thread going up on uscfootball.com. So lots of different ways we try to keep you in touch with what's going on with this program if you can't be there. And I'm going to sign out. So 
Enjoy your rest of the week. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Parastyle Podcast. Listening to my voice for the last 55 minutes, if I have any voice left. Uh, but thanks for tuning in to the Parastyle Podcast, and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Parastyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.